and welcome to this Endo Life episode 6. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about bringing you guests who are battling chronic conditions and mental health issues in their own unique ways and are changing the lives of others with their amazing work. Today I'm talking to Rachel Welford of Welford Wellbeing. Rachel is a fashion stylist, Reiki healer, sound therapist and EFT practitioner. Five years ago Rachel's life got completely turned upside down when she had a breakdown as a result of living with anxiety and depression for a long time and not really noticing the signs and just keeping up with a super fast pace of life in London. Rachel spent nine months recovering before she went back to work and since then she has been helping herself understand her mind and get and come to peace with her mind and is helping others do the same through alternative therapies. I really appreciated talking to Rachel because she's so open and she just says it as it is when it comes to living with these conditions. And I am personally struggling incredibly at the moment with anxiety. Um, In fact, I'm recording this on the back of an incredibly hard week um, and I am at a tipping point with anxiety. So hearing someone talk about it so frankly and explaining the thoughts and feelings that they had once experienced has reminded me that it's not just my mind, it's actually the condition and that people who have this condition have these thoughts as well. We talk about what it's really like to have a breakdown Um, we talk about the symptoms and signs of that so you can recognise those feelings. We talk about going on medication um reading self-help books going to reiki sessions and just you know working her own way through this and finding her own path back to herself we laugh a lot in this and i know that sounds a bit strange and a little bit morbid but as two girls who have experienced slash are experiencing anxiety and depression um it was kind of our way of communicating about it um i just want to let you know that we take it very seriously and you know we've experienced firsthand the most serious um, effects of anxiety and depression Um, so by all means we're not making light of it. I hope it brings comfort, information um, and you can share it with others and pass the message on so we can all become a little bit more aware of what it's like living with invisible illnesses. So here she is. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm Everyone's probably going to hear my voice is a little bit croaky. I did a festival, um, Samphire Festival, last weekend and was shouting some <laughs> guided meditations over the noise of the, the main stage, which was a new experience. Um, and it was a fantastic experience, but it means that I've been left with this slightly hoarse, <laughs> hoarse voice. So, But I feel good. I'm really excited to be here and talking with you today. Oh, thank you. Well, the, you have a husky voice. It sounds nice. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Set up a separate, separate sideline job. Perfect. <laughs> online <laughs> probably make you a little money <laughs> um okay so I really you've got such an interesting background story um and you have obviously gone on quite a long journey to get to where you are now um so I wanted to kind of start at the beginning really um and the place that you were in that's led you to to where you are my journey really started five about five years ago when I had a breakdown or breakthrough as lots of people like to call it but I don't know 
mine was more of a breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I had what I've come to realize now, I had no boundaries at all. Mm. I was very much a yes woman. I thought I could cope with everything and take on everything. And I had quite a stressful job in sales and sponsorship. And um, I just burnt out, basically. I wasn't listening to myself. I had no spiritual practice. I had no time to myself. I was constantly partying and self-medicating, looking for love in all the wrong places, doing all those things that you do when you're young and you live in London and you work a hectic job. And yeah, um, yeah, I eventually just kind of burnt out. And I guess one of the poignant moments was I sort of rang my mum and I'd been crying for about 72 hours and I was, I couldn't stop crying. I I slept a little bit in between, but as soon as I woke up, I'd cry again. And I was like calling sick to work, like managing to just sort of pull myself together long enough to have a two minute cohesive conversation where I could say, I'm really not feeling too well today. And then just put the phone down and burst into tears again. And I thought, Hmm, I might need some help. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't normal whatever normal is and so I called my mum and she very sweetly in the way that she does um said look I'll just drive to London for a cup of tea because <laughs> I kept telling not to come and that I was fine which was my default answer for everything I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine um and so she kind of drove to London and scooped me up and took me took me home and then I spent quite a long time at my parents actually I think it was three or four months that I lived with them um, and they were just (laughs) looking after me because I couldn't function on any level and um, that was when I then just started thinking I can't live like this I don't want to live like this like Mm. where am I who am I what's going on like I didn't trust my own mind I had a million thoughts a minute I couldn't even capture how many thoughts I had but also I just felt so empty yeah it was like it was like somebody had turned me off to the world. Like I just, nothing mattered. I didn't feel anything. I was mm. just numb, completely numb. And I, I hated that. And I thought there has to be something else. Like yeah. I was only, how was I, 30, 31? So I was like, you know, I always think that I'm going to die when I'm 82. I don't know why I always think. Yeah, I know. Specific age. I think it's really morbid as well. They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I don't know. I've just always thought I'll die when I'm 82. Not in a in a really peaceful way, but I'll be 82 and I'll just sort of die. <laughs> and so, but then I think in my head, I find it quite motivating because I think, oh my God, I've only got like, at that point I was like, right, I've got 52 years left, mm. probably. Um. I mean, I don't know why I said, mm, then, like, I'm agreeing that you're going to die at 82, but <laughs> I just, carry I don't on. Know why. No, I always thought it. So um, I just thought, I can't spend 52 years of my life in bed at my parents' house. Mm. You know, it's not, that is not the one. So I just started looking at um, alternatives, basically, yeah. to medication, because I was on medication at that point as well. Um I was on three different types of medication. I just want to like backtrack like slightly Mm. um, because I definitely want to get into like your healing story. But I think it's really important that people 
um, who are going through depression, anxiety here, like the details of that, like build up that lead up time. Did you have any um, idea that you were heading that way? Did anything feel wrong? <laughs> no. And right. it's so weird because hindsight, I mean, hindsight's just such a, I don't want to swear on your podcast. Oh, but, no, you, you know, can swear, it's fine. Uh, hindsight is a bitch then because you know looking yeah it's not that sweary (laughs) but um well you know when you look back on things it's then very easy to decipher and see the pathways isn't it but when you're actually and especially when you're not very well Mm. I mean I was a magician of hiding everything from everyone including myself yeah um and to be honest, like having then chatted to my mum and various people, I think I'd probably been suffering with depression, anxiety since I was a child, but right. had created this amazing maze of coping mechanisms, mm. which enabled me to hide it from everybody, pretty much including myself. But I mean, looking back now... You know, I used to cross the road for, for about a year and a half before I had my breakdown. I used to cross the road, and every time I crossed the road, I used to pray that I'd get hit by a car. Did you and not, not beca- worry about oh, that fall? No. Which it seems very bizarre, like now, <laughs> being of what I think is my right mind. I mean, who knows? But I feel like I'm in a really good, a really good place now. I think um, you are. And yeah, and I don't have those kind of thoughts anymore, so that's got to be a good thing. But um, no, at the time, I just, and the thing was, I wasn't suicidal at that point. I have been suicidal in mm. my past, um, and that was not one of the points where I was suicidal. I just wanted a break. Yeah. I just wanted everything to stop. stop. I felt like I felt like I was in this kind of race with myself, which... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was sort of trying to keep up with myself almost, like trying to keep up at work, trying to keep up with my social life, trying to keep up with all my friends, trying to make sure I'm a good daughter and, you know, whatever, and keep up with your family and make sure you're being a good person and giving to charity and all these things. Yeah. Um, and actually, I just wanted a break. Yeah. I yeah. just wanted everything to stop. And what I realize now is, I would go on holidays, but they were always like snowboarding holidays and things like that. It was very rare for me to go on like a beach holiday and just lay down and do nothing. Mm. Very active, very, um, you know, and I I loved, I loved my weekends. I, I, you know, I was a big party (laughs) since since a young kid. I've always loved music. I've always been very passionate about music, dance music, um, you know, drum and bass, jungle, whatever. When did that become something that was really... Because obviously going out, having fun, dancing is in many ways really, really positive and really productive. But then it comes a point where it becomes destructive. And did you ever see that difference? No. And I think actually, to be honest with you, it was a really good release. Right. Um, You know, being able to be in a space where you can just really let go and dance and be with your friends and, you know, meet new friends and whatever and that sort of connective experiences and and what have you, I think, for for many years. And, I mean, sorry, Mum, I went to my first rave when I was 15. (laughs) 
but at that time I was just going you know and drinking water like I didn't even care about any um like getting drunk even really or anything I just wanted to, the experience and the mm. music like I didn't really and then you know as the years went on I kind of guess I started self-medicating to an extent and I didn't realize that's what I was doing and I, I don't even know if that is what I was doing at all times but I think especially towards the end it was definitely what what I was doing and I think I needed that escapism and it was easier to feel like I was hung over because yeah. the symptoms of you know being hung over and having like we all get that hangover fear where you think oh god what did I do and yeah. you can't remember anything and you know alcohol and this is you know I'm sober curious so I still drink occasionally and stuff like that I'm not um you know, I, I don't stand either way on, on the alcohol front. I think you should do what, what's right for you. But I think alcohol for me became this amazing numbing cream mm. that I just kind of block things out with. And, and it does. It, it, stop, you know, it stops you feeling, basically. Yeah. And so um, it was, yeah, I guess I, I used all those different mechanisms and and, and hid from myself and, and there was a lot of potential times where I could have seen that I might have had a problem and I didn't notice it. and sometimes I would sit at work and look at my computer screen and I would just click like on and off from say like I'd click onto my email and then click onto Google and then Google something that was slightly work relevant like I used to have to do obviously in sales you do a lot of research so right. um, you know I'd, I'd, I'd start to google some companies or something but I, I literally wasn't writing any of this down and nothing was going in it was just like mm. trying to look busy and essentially repeating over and over in my head and I'm sorry to swear on your podcast again but literally just sitting going fuck fuck yeah, like that yeah, in my yeah. head hours at a time and then someone would like come over and like you know go oh you know have you got that report or whatever and I'd be like Wow. Yeah, yeah, it'll be done in 20, you know, give me half an hour or something. And then the fuck would continue because he hadn't done the report. <laughs> you hadn't done anything. You'd just been trying to look busy whilst trying not to, I don't know, there was just, there was no functioning really. And that probably went on for a good few months before I had my breakdown. And I would, you know, go off and cry in the toilets at work. And, you know, there was lots of things like that, but I always put it down to like, being tired and hungover and and whatever I never actually even considered that I might have a mental illness yeah at so all. I guess if you're used to that feeling trying to work out what the difference is is that the hangover or is that something more serious um yeah it hard if you were used to that yeah it is difficult to differentiate and this is one of the reasons I don't drink that often anymore I mean it's quite often I'll go for months at a time without drinking alcohol at all yeah um, and that is because when I slip back which sometimes I do it's people's birthdays or occasions come up and you think oh, I'll just have a couple of drinks and then mm. before you know it you're sort of back to your old habits because you know all, a lot of my friends they still drink quite a lot and stuff like that and that's cool you know for them yeah um, but then it's the fallout from that and I think also a lot of the um a lot of things that happen with mental illness is it's it 
no one can see it. So if you don't tell anyone about it, nobody knows. And actually, when you're in that space, I mean, when I, I mean, I don't know whether you can say one is worse than the other. But for me, I felt like anxiety was a lot worse than depression because with depression, you, for me, my experience anyway, was yeah. that I didn't care. <laughs> I could not have cared about anything. You're so numb and you're so switched off that it's almost like when it's not peaceful, it's horrible. But, it, you know, it's but with anxiety, I remember sitting um, a one very specific time sitting in the pub with all my friends. There was about 10 of us there, the closest people to me, who no doubt all love me dearly. Yeah. And sitting there and just thinking that they all hated me. Wow. Nobody wanted to be there. Every time I went to open my mouth to like join the conversation, my mind would say to me, shut up. No one cares what you think. They all think you're an idiot. Um, you know, you're not even you like, yeah, try and make that joke. You're not even funny. No one's going to laugh at your jokes. Do you know all this? Like, it's yeah, it's really intense. Yeah, it's so intense. And then you're looking at all these people, and you think, I can't trust you. Um, mm. I don't know who you are. Like, and these are your friends. These are people yeah, yeah, that, yeah. and you can't. You know, you can't. Then at the pub, go, oh guys. <laughs> um, by the way, this is all going on in my mind because you don't even trust them to tell them that. Mm. Because yeah. your brain's telling you that they hate your guts and that they, you know, that it, even if you try and tell them what's going on with you, that they're not going to be supportive and that they're not, which is crap, you know, yeah. because if one of your friends came up to you and said, in confidence or otherwise, or, you know, I'm struggling, I feel like all this crazy stuff's going on in my brain and my brain's telling me that you hate me and I don't know what to do, you'd just hug them, wouldn't you? Or mm. you'd, you'd them yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but when you're in that space because you don't trust your own mind and you don't trust the people around you it's very difficult to ask for help actually yeah I you know I completely um, understand that experience and relate to it not from a friendship point of view but um, well to a degree but um, in like the workplace and I'm sure there's other women um, out there with endo um who have experienced this but you know you're at work and you're going through endometriosis and a lot of the time depression and anxiety as well and whether or not your work's supportive I mean I've had a a workplace that was really really supportive and I had like flexible working hours and stuff I was convinced they were planning to fire me like I I was just Oh, they're saying this now, but they're probably all talking about how, like, behind my back, you know, I'm, I've really mm-hmm. slipped at work and like I'm costing them money and and yeah. every workplace that I've gone to since that feeling kind of crept in, it's been the same, and it's something yeah. that I have to fight on a daily basis, and it's, it's yeah, not it's definitely something I need to work out. It's but, exhausting. Um, oh my god, it's exhausting. <laughs> That's what I felt like. I was like, fighting my own brain is exhausting. Like, trying to stay positive. And that's the other thing as well. Like, I have a close friend of mine, and she's on a similar path to me. She's a yoga instructor, and she's an amazing woman. And she's studying a master's in consciousness. So you can imagine some of the conversations that we have. I didn't even know that was a thing. 
know, right? That's <laughs> She's a very, very interesting woman. But we have this whole thing, me and her, about a chat sometimes about positivity and how it can be negative, <laughs> which, you know, when you say it out loud, it seems like um, a crazy thing to say. But when I was ill, I was still very, very optimistic and positive. Even when I was right. in depths of depression, I, I kind of had this <laughs> probably misguided optimism, <laughs> um, you know, about how everything would be fine and everything would work out and stuff like that, which is great because maybe some people don't have that. So at least I had a slight inkling that yeah, things exactly. could improve things and things would get better. But it was and never that kept you alive as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it probably did at, at points. But I think also positivity can be quite damaging because with the wellness sphere blowing up and people now much more aware of mental health and everyone's talking about it, which I think is a really positive thing. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, with the law of attraction and all this kind of stuff and think positive and da-da-da, yeah. there's a lot of pressure on people to be positive. I agree with that. Yeah. And maybe you don't feel positive that day. Mm. You know, maybe you feel really low actually. And maybe you feel, and then the guilt sits in. Yeah. Why can't I just be positive like everyone else? Why can't I just drag myself out of this? Why can't I just cheer up? Why can't I just, you know, and it's, that becomes exhausting because you're constantly fighting yourself. And mm. actually one of the most useful bits and, potentially the most poignant bit of information that I ever or advice that I was ever given when I was ill was a friend of mine who said to me this is you now you need to make friends with this because you can't keep fighting it all the time because mm. I kept saying I'm going to beat this I'm going to get well I'm you know fuck you depression <laughs> sort of thing yeah yeah to be like this I don't want to hate myself I don't want to feel so broken all mm. the time it's boring and it's exhausting and I don't want I just want to be happy that's it I just want to be happy and then and when she said that to me I realized that I'd just been fighting myself yeah yeah because it was part of me and it probably is still I think you know I I would still it's difficult to say because I now very much believe in affirmations and the work of Louise Hay has, has changed my life if, if anyone's listening with endo or anxiety, depression, or any illness, in fact, I would highly recommend reading her book, You Can Heal Your Life. Yeah, yeah. It, it changed my life, literally. And I think your thought processes do potentially create dis-ease in the body. Not even potentially. I believe, I believe that. I believe that is a fact. Um, and so by me saying I still have depression, anxiety... I'm sort of perpetuating that so I try not I'm trying to think of a way that I can say it and honor it without manifesting more of it <laughs> in my life yeah no I understand I the process but I think um you know if you can try and make friends with whatever it is that you're fighting in whatever way that works for you it becomes a lot easier of a fight because mm. um as soon as you sort of go, okay, I, I accept this is how I feel and I accept that these are my current symptoms and I accept that this can change, it's a lot easier than being like, I don't want to be like this, I don't, you know, or that yeah. was my experience anyway. Yeah, 
And I think um, just to say to anyone who's listening who does have endometriosis, I really like Louise Hay's work. The only, and it's again, this is similar to your um, concerns about positivity. Mm. My, my concerns with um, this kind of work about manifest, um, manifesting, um, mm. and I am into the universe. I, I don't really talk about that yeah. much on this end of life, but um, is that in a way it can be misinterpreted as victim blaming. Yeah. So if for people who are really, really suffering with endometriosis or, you know, even not, they've just got it to say it can be interpreted as, oh, you're saying that I've caused my disease. And yeah. um, in a way that is what they're saying, but not in, not in the sense that it can be interpreted and that, can for people that can be really really painful and damaging yeah and um also you know i think there's also there's there are studies that show like trauma women who well yeah women who have experienced trauma um you know there's a there's a higher chance that they have endometriosis and, and mm. things like that but then there's also evidence that it's like the toxins in our environments and yeah um so it's a real mix of things so i think anyone who does go and read that book um go into it with an open mind but also not yes. not beating yourself up that you've no i completely would know, agree you know i i do often feel very very blessed that i've been able to get off my medication and use positive mindset work meditation eft um, Reiki, you know, various different alternative health me- methods to to heal myself. Yeah, and yeah. I and I do believe that a lot of people who are currently um, suffering with disease could alleviate a lot of their symptoms with certain alternative practices. But then again, I don't think that you can. There's no one size fits all cure for anything. No. Um, no, that's, and you know, I just think, you know, we can but hope to open up new ideas to people that maybe haven't, haven't had them, had access to those ideas before and maybe they try them and hopefully it brings relief. Mm. But in the same token, like not everything is going to work for, for everybody, unfortunately. Otherwise, I'd be very rich woman if I had the, <laughs> answers, all the, all the answers to all the diseases in the world, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really nice um, intro into your your healing um, and also what you do now. So you you've had a breakdown. You've gone home. Did you quit your job at that point? No, I was lucky enough that I actually had um, this kind of work insurance thing that I'd been paying into. Oh wow! And so um, like a health care plan thing that I'd been paying into for my work and mm. so via my work I got uh, access to free therapy that's great which was amazing because the NHS course god bless them and they do amazing amazing work and I'm so grateful that we have the NHS mm. so this is no this isn't a um cutting damning sentence on the NHS but the waiting list for therapy on the NHS was nine months yeah yeah very long and you know it was that when you're in that darker place you need help 
immediately really so I was very lucky that I managed to get um some paid time off work some of it was unpaid um I was on SSP or or whatever equivalent whatever that is now yeah um but I did get this free access to therapy which came very quickly and was a godsend and so I used um you know traditional kind of talking therapy Mm. I also started with Louise Hay's work, which is essentially trying to reprogram your negative thought patterns. And when I started realizing how many negative thoughts I had, it was actually quite petrifying because I didn't realize how many I was having on a daily basis. And I mean, I don't know if I can make a suggestion, but for people that are listening, if if you're having negative thought patterns, my process and what I started doing was basically saying, Whatever the negative thought came in, I would then say to myself, either quietly or out loud, depending where it was, <laughs> so I didn't look too crazy out, outright. Um, this is an old thought pattern. I no longer need this. I reaffirm and then saying whatever the, the opposite was, so whatever I was mm-hmm. trying to create. So if it was, you know, I used to hate my body and hate myself and I'd say really vile things to myself. So, you know, for example you look really fat in that outfit or whatever before I was about to leave the house. I would say, this is an old thought pattern, I don't need it, I reaffirm, I love my body. And then carry it, you know, and I would do that for every thought that I had, which at the start was basically my full-time job. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to ask that, because if you're in that if you're in that negative space, I mean, it's great, it every, but it's a it lot was, of work. And yeah, to remember work. to and do that. Is, yeah, but this is the thing as well, that um, often within my workshops and some of the work that I do, it's, like it's boring and it's tedious but if you do the work it does work but you have to do the work yeah and it's constant like even now I do that it's rare probably like I don't know every few days I might do it once or twice do you know what I mean but it's still there and actually then sometimes people flag and say or you shouldn't say trying to, or you should, because now I'm onto the next stage of it where I'm trying to delete um, certain words out of my vocabulary, to be honest. So I don't want to say I'm trying to do anything because you'll never actually achieve it because you're still trying. Right. Um, I'm not going to say just anymore, especially at work. Oh, I, I just I wonder just if you could. All the time. Me too. And it's apologetic. It's almost like I'm just apologizing for being in the world. Um, mm. Should. If you, you know, oh, I should be doing whatever. Well, either do it or don't. There's no should. If you really feel like you should be doing it, then do it. Yeah. If you feel if you feel like you should be doing it, but you don't want to do it, then stop shoulding and just stop doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So there's yeah, there's there's layers to it, and it is constant work. And at the beginning, it was exhausting, to be honest with you, because the amount of negative thoughts that I had, I was, I was probably doing that process about five or 600 times a day. Oh, my gosh. Um, but after two weeks, you know, that probably halved. And after another two weeks, that, do you know what I mean? It does mm. it become, start noticing that you're becoming happier and things are, or I did. I started noticing that, um, that things were changing. So then I did my Reiki level one. And so I did a lot of healing work with that. Um, Reiki is an ancient Japanese healing technique using universal life force energy. So if you practice yoga, you might know it as prana, or if you've heard of tai chi, chi, it's the same, like energies all around us. Um, so that was a big turning point for me. And 
EFT as well, if, if anyone's ever heard of tapping, the emotional freedom therapy, emotional freedom technique. Mm. It's really powerful. I found it very, very powerful, I think, for reprogramming yourself and also for trauma. It's really good for trauma. Yeah. And it's, it's really good. Um, pretty much you can use it on anything. I actually helped a girl the other day who had hay fever. And wow. she had really bad hay fever and she couldn't stop sneezing. And so I helped her with tapping to alleviate her symptoms a little so bit. So we, I discussed this with um, Vicky Williams last week. Um, EFT and, did I say, is it EFT? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and Reiki. But um, I know you've explained what Reiki is, but can you, in your own words, for those who didn't listen to last week's podcast, um, what is EFT? Like, how does it work? It's quite it's quite a new discovery, EFT. It was a guy, Gary Craig, in the 90s. So it's mm-hmm. very new, especially in science terms. Yeah. Um, who developed the technique, and he developed it from another guy, Callahan, in, in America. And he had this tapping technique based on... I'm not being very articulate. The, the the basis of it was a guy that was in America, Callahan, yeah. and he was a psychotherapist of some description. And he thought that people reaccessing trauma mm-hmm. to process it was dangerous, was not working, and that actually, especially people that had wanted to revisit trauma from a long time ago, to clear it, it actually became more traumatic to revisit. So right. it was easier. So he wanted to try and work out a way to to not do that and also he was working with people with phobias he had a woman that he was working with who had a phobia of water and obviously that was quite made her life quite difficult because she couldn't wash drink or anything and so he started looking into traditional Chinese medicine and started reading about the um, meridian lines um, in the body and the energy body and how the different acupuncture points on the bo- on the meridian lines in the body were linked to different things, and he basically developed this technique. I think it was called. I always I always say it wrong. I think it was TFT. So correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone who might comment on this later. Okay. Um, and it was quite a complicated um, process, but it worked. And he tested it on this woman with the water, and suddenly she wasn't her phobia of water had disappeared. And it wow. essentially was um, saying various. Um, sentences whilst you tapped on various parts of the body but it was quite complex because there was um different formulas that he'd put together that would work for different things and anyone that's ever looked at um the meridian lines and the the acupuncture points on the body which I am studying for my EFT course it's very complicated (laughs) so He'd put together this thing, but it was quite complicated. Gary Craig came along and thought, this is too complicated. No one's going to be able to use it. And he simplified it, and that's how EFT was created. And essentially what you do is you tap the karate chop point, which is um, if you look on your where your little finger is, that kind of point um, just between your your little finger ending and your wrist starting, in the middle of that is called the karate chop point. And okay. um, you always start there and you start with a set-up phrase, for example, even though I have depression, anxiety, I choose to love, honour and accept myself anyway. And you say that a few times over. And that's basically the psychological reversal. So it taps into the part of your brain that's um, 
that ha- holds this belief. Right. And then you you basically tap on various different parts of the body mm-hmm. and different phrases that you say as you do so. And there's different techniques that you can use. So one that I quite like the name of it, it's called flip-flopping. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you basically tap the negative and then tap the positive that you're trying to install and then tap the negative, tap the positive. So it kind of almost sneaks up on the problem. And, and the way that they think that it works is that it retrains the neuropathways in the brain and that it... Ah, okay. Because you're distracting your conscious mind with the physical tapping, mm. uh, you can work on your subconscious mind, reprogramming your subconscious mind. And then obviously with the tapping, it's, it's stimulating in the same way as acupressure massage, the, okay. the acupuncture points, which um, have different, depending where you're tapping, have different um, links to different parts of the body as well. It's really fascinating. I've been using that technique for about four years, and now I'm, I'm I should, fingers crossed for me, everyone be qualified. Um, Yay! You know, within the next couple of months, because I'm just finalising all my, all my modules on my course now. But it's it's been really fascinating learning more about it and how 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 they think it works. I mean, to be honest, with a lot of these um, alternative therapies, there's and especially the newer ones, there's not always a lot of research mm. that's been conducted there. So, I mean, I'm sceptical about lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> and I think stay sceptical, but go in with an open mind for, for anything that, that potentially calls you that might bring some relief to your endo or depression or anxiety. Because for me, um, these techniques that I've used on myself and seeing practitioners as well, um, have actually enabled me to get off my medication and live without. I haven't had a panic attack in I, I don't know how many years now, and I used to not be able wow. to leave my house. You know, my, I remember one. It's quite. I shouldn't laugh actually, but it, it's funny now. If, on, in, if in laughing time, is like the way that you like talk about it, then that's fine. <laughs> you know, was, I rang the Samaritans. I used to, and also God bless the Samaritans because I used to ring them a lot. And if you're suffering and you need someone to talk to, and I used to sit with my phone and I would scroll through my phone and I'd look at all my friends' names and my family's names and I would just be looking and I'd think, I can't ring them, I can't ring them, can't ring them, can't ring them. And I'd go through my whole phone, like mm-hmm. from A to Z, everybody that I knew thinking, who can I ring? Because I'd be in such a panic state and, you know, when you're hyperventilating and you can't breathe and you're just like, <laughs> yeah. and it's dilapidating, it's, it's really scary. And and thinking I couldn't ring anyone, I couldn't ring anyone. And I can't remember who said to me, somebody said to me once, like, you should just put the number of the Samaritans in your phone. And I did. And I remember the first time I rang them. And they're so good. Oh, my God, they're so good. They were just, you know, and I remember having this chat with this woman. And I was I was supposed to be going to my friend's Hindu. And I'd got myself and I'd got really anxious about going to this Hindu because there was a lot of people there that I hadn't seen for a long time. And mm. it was the first like social occasions that I was going to when I just started to feel a bit better so I was probably about seven eight months in um sort of since having my breakdown and um, I used to I was scared of my phone I didn't even have my phone on for about three months when I was ill um and I I didn't like having my phone near me because I couldn't control like who was going to ring and stuff like that and I remember getting ready for for this hen do and I was really excited about it and I was really looking forward to seeing everyone until about 40 minutes before I had to leave the house mm. and then 
the panic setting and I just started being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, everyone's going to judge me. Like, um, what am I going to wear? Who, who, do you know, like, and I, I was basically sat there having a panic attack and I was wearing a pair of tights and a pair of underwear and nothing else. So I was just sat in my pants and oh. tights. And, um, and you know when you've got tights and they're like pulled up <laughs> over your belly. So I was looking like super hot right now and I'm having a panic attack in my pants and I'm looking through my phone and I can't breathe and I'm like you know and I'm oh, and I ring the Samaritans and this lovely woman answered and I just start screaming at her I'm a fucking stylist and I can't fucking dress myself and she was like so calm and so lovely and she's like okay what's going on here because oh we didn't mention but I do a bit of fashion styling work on the yeah, side yeah. Um, and that I was basically having this like shit fit down the phone about how, you know, people pay me to dress people and I can't even dress myself. <laughs> like, and I'm supposed to leave and I've missed my train and I'm supposed to be at this hen do and like I hate myself and da da da. And I, I was like, I can't even leave my flat. And I was hysterically crying and just like in this real, well, you know, anyone that's had a panic attack yeah, will yeah. know. Not funny. No. It's awful. Um, I'm only laughing because it was just so, you know, it seems so ridiculous now that I'm in this good space that you could get so worked up over something that's essentially just getting dressed and going to a friend's Hindu, which is a joyous occasion. But it happens. And they were so supportive and so helpful. So, I mean, anyone that's suffering um, and needs somebody to talk to and maybe has that um, I would highly recommend the Samaritans and their service. And mm-hmm. I'm hopefully going to be volunteering for them soon I'm waiting to oh, hear back that's amazing what are your plans for the future so you currently do Reiki healing um so what what else do you have on offer what kind of like one-to-one sessions can people have with you and events can what events can they come to in workshops well all my work is really kind of based on the energy body so my belief system is that um things manifest in your energy field and then your mind and then into your physical body. So if you can kind of keep your energy field and your brain happy and healthy, Mm. um, then you should theoretically get less um, symptoms within your body. So um, this doesn't mean that, you know, we can all be completely disease-free ever. Um, I think there's probably for most people, I mean, I'm in my 30s, so I've got a lot of unraveling to do <laughs> the more that I learn about this work. But um, yeah. I, I like to provide space, basically. I think it's really important to have someone that can hold space for you. And I go and see healers myself, and that's what they do for me. And I think having a space for people to come and either you know, have a quick talk if they want and, and release that way or just to to lay down on, on the Reiki bed and, and receive Reiki and just be peaceful and rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have just qualified in sound healing and that is really powerful. Awesome. So I've been doing things like drum massage and um, working with some different healing frequencies and sometimes integrating Reiki and healing frequencies I should finish my courses in um, EFT soon, so that's really exciting. I mean, You're doing so much. I know this is the thing. I do tend to have a, a lot of things that I like to do, and I, I think I just I'm really excited about just showing people that they can do it. Yeah, yeah. 
like you can do this man if you're listening to this and you you're in a really shoddy place and you're really not feeling yourself or you're in a lot of pain or you know wherever you're at you can beat this you can do it like Mm. I've done I've done it you know and it isn't always like fun and you see these people and it annoys me you know when you see these people and they're like oh just do this thing for two minutes a day and like everything's going to be better like that was not my experience yeah I've spent months and months and months and months of my life studying this like all I read you look at my uh, next to my bed it's just books about (laughs) the chakra system and energy (laughs) healing and acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine and like (laughs) Reiki manuals and all these different things because I just find it fascinating and I want I want to put this knowledge out to people and say you know I'm not saying stop taking your medication or anything like that if you by the way if you're on medication I think I needed to be medicated for that period of time that I was and I'm very grateful that that was an option for me yeah but I didn't personally want to live like that I have friends that live like that and they're happy to do so but for me that was didn't feel good for for me and so with my doctor's advice and working closely with my doctor and a therapist I gradually swapped medication for meditation and various other things right And, and that worked for me and I'm not saying that would work for everyone but if people want to explore these things um my company is Welford well-being and I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all that jazz and I love talking about this stuff so um you know feel free to just contact me I'm not gonna like you know charge you for a chat or whatever (laughs) and see if you think that if any of these things call to you that, that we might be able to work together I've got a series of events coming up um with book club which is really exciting so I'm going to be doing the chakra series working from yeah working from root to crown um they're quite ritual based these workshops actually but they're really beautiful um I did one with them and they asked me to come back and do a series of seven so the people that attended I think really (laughs) really loved it so that was really cool um and I've got a few other bits and pieces in the fire but I'm waiting for just final dates to to be confirmed and things but I always put everything up on my website on Instagram I offer free Reiki um distant Reiki via my Instagram as well so if you ever want to just experience some free Reiki then just put your name and uh, name and location down and you can just accept so yeah I try and um that's awesome yeah I just try and want to just make space basically for people I want people to be able to just relax mm. themselves release anything that they feel isn't serving them anymore whatever that may be whether it's emotional spiritual um physical relationships whatever yeah um, and kind of just realign themselves to to everything in alignment so you know their physical body their energy body their their mind their as a whole being yeah. and then reset and just start again you know you can you can always just start whatever that is you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to be where you are with something. You can always make changes. And as scary as that can be, and, and it hasn't been a fun or easy journey necessarily, but where I'm at now is so much more beautiful and it was worth every single every single tap, every single, med- you know, sitting on the mat and 
meditating but actually not really feeling like you're meditating because feeling like oh I wonder if I turn the oven off or yeah (laughs) yeah you know and then bringing it back to breath all that work has really been worth it and I think um hopefully these kind of conversations that we're having as well will enable people to realize that there are other alternatives out there and hopefully open them up to wanting to try some and, and hopefully getting some relief Oh, thank you, Rachel. That's a lovely way to end, actually. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. I, like, I really appreciate you sharing your story. Like, I know that's a lot to go into. Um, so thank you for being brave and honest. And I will put up in the show notes links to your website and Instagram so people can come and find you and say hey. Um, but, yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to coming to one of your workshops. Yes, do it. Do it, do it, do it. Yeah, I'd love to have you there. Oh, great. All right, take care. Thanks so much. See you soon. Thanks, bye. bye. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review, or <laughs> please rate, review, and or subscribe. It helps others find the podcast. If you want to say hi to me, I'm on Instagram at this underscore endolife. I'm on Twitter at this underscore endolife with a capital T, E, and L. And I'm on Facebook at thisendolife.com. You can also head over to my site, thisendolife.com, to have a read of my thoughts and my ramblings. And I also have a column in Endometriosis News. In the show notes, I've put a link to Rachel's website. um, And in her website, you can find out details of her events and her one-to-one treatments. There are also links to the Samaritans and information on generalised anxiety disorder. Thank you again so much for listening, for all of your support and emails. It really means a lot to me, especially at the moment when I am having a bit of a tough time. Um, If you want to be on the show, if you have any suggestions for the show, please do get in touch with me. You can just send me an email at hello at thisendolife.com. I would love to hear from you. Have a wonderful week. Bye.